Words matter. They can change the course of your day. Just listen. You are brave. You are stronger than you think. You have value, worth, and dignity. Don't you feel better already? Welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. Join author and board-certified life coach Janelle Reardon as she opens a very important conversation about the power of our words. Hello and welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. I am Janelle and today I'm opening up a conversation with you about a subject that's near and dear to my heart, the subject of rest. Just saying the word tends to calm my nervous system rest. All right, I'm going to be honest, full disclosure. I don't rest well, never have. Oh, maybe when I was a a wee child. (laughs) I, I tend to remember feeling a lot more restful within my soul. And then life just tended to take its course with me. And I somehow became a very type A, highly energized human being. But I have found it very, very necessary in my life to find what it means to rest and then to practice rest in my life. And as I've studied it and researched it, especially for my newest book, Overcoming Hurtful Words, Rewrite Your Own Story, I included it as one of the nine practices. And today we're talking about it. Practice five, collect strength. The intention of practice five is simple. I will overcome hurtful words when I collect strength in the reservoir of my soul. As we've been talking these past few weeks about the other practices, we are, ex- we are expanding our conversation and the borders of this book's conversation to not only be about hurtful words, but long-term difficult situations that tend to just wear us out, that tend to perplex us, that tend to continually keep an obstacle in front of us. What do we do in these sustained periods of time, these seasons in our lives that tend to be difficult and overwhelming and we just can't seem to calm our nervous system? What do we do in these situations? So I want to even expand our conversation today beyond the words of the chapter or the practice because you can read that in in the book. I want to add to our conversation because you can't put everything inside of a book. And so I just continue to learn more and more about this powerful uh, principle and practice of rest. I do want to share the story that I begin uh, practice five with higher sanctuary. Nestled in the crook of my mother's right arm, I sat in the silence, a curious, sensitive eight-year-old, wondering, watching, and waiting. One by one, men and women approached the priest, whose round face was kind and welcoming. With great care, he dipped his right index finger into a golden bowl of black ashes. Slowly and methodically, he leaned in, creating a small black cross on each forehead. Remember, man, that dust thou art, and unto dust that shall return, he whispered, carefully looking at each person standing in front of him as if they were the only person in the world. 
I imagine that must be how Jesus, the man I heard the priest talking about, must have looked at the people standing in front of him. One by one, they brought their hearts, their pain, and their great need to him. They wanted his blessing, his validation. He too must have kind and welcoming eyes, I thought. I didn't understand what was going on in that special candlelight service, but I felt calm and safe. I listened closely to the words and prayers being spoken, the somber tone, the cadence of background chants being sung by the choir, and the ethereal presence of something so much bigger than the sanctuary we were sitting in. I watched those around me closely, prayer hands tucked under their chins, eyes closed, and heads bowed. Some seemed to be talking, but no words were coming out of their mouths. Looking back, I now understand what I was seeing, what I was sensing, what I was savoring. Connection. These men and women, the priest and my mother, they were connected to something and someone I knew nothing about but deeply desired to discover. I didn't know how to call it spirituality, sacred space, or seeking. I just knew that inside this place we called church, a place I had come to know as a true refuge, God seemed real and very close. You see, a heart needs rest. Very often, heart rifts, difficult situations, long sustaining periods of pain, intensely, fiercely bring prolonged emotional stress. So even if we dismiss these things on the surface, I'm fine. I'm really fine. You know, we do that, don't we? I'm fine. I'm really fine. Never been more fine. Well, maybe as one of my clients says, I'm fine-ish. <laughs> the embers of difficulty and heart rifts and sustained periods of difficulty, they those embers radiate deep within us. Now I know that they greatly affect our nervous system. Moments turn into months and months can turn into years. The weight of heavy, hurtful situations or words They weigh us down and they can lead us to emotional depletion. Raised adrenaline in the bloodstream equals raised anxiety. Please hear me here. One in 10 Americans currently now take an antidepressant. But for women in their 40s and 50s, this figure jumps to one in Four. Now listen, I take an antidepressant. I have fibromyalgia. I have osteoarthritis. I have achalasia, a rare esophageal disease. So when I did turn 40 a few years ago, my doctor said, Janelle, you have no serotonin in your body. I guarantee, you know, he knew my history. He knew me well. He'd been my doctor for years So I had to give my body serotonin. So I am not saying if you need medicine, if you need help in the medicine field, that that's wrong. No, you'll never hear me say that because there is a time when we need that. But it is overprescribed. 
in our culture today. One in 10 currently taking an antidepressant. But for women in their 40s and 50s, that's me, could be you, this figure jumps to one in four. In our hyper-connected, digitally demanding, social networked society, we forget, I forget, that my body, that our bodies have physical limits. And as I have come to learn well into my 50s, hear me, please, more important than our physical limits, our hearts have emotional limits. There's no emotional reserve in our heart, and yet there must be. So that's really where I want to peel back the, the true meaning of rest today. I have talked about it before, but it is so worth bearing uh, repetition here. I'm on page 95 if you happen to have the book with you or, or uh, need it to have that as a reference when maybe you get home and you need to open the book. But rest, anapayayu, in the Greek means to cause or permit one to cease from any movement or labor in order to collect or recover strength. I'm going to read it again. Rest means in the Greek to cause or permit one to cease from any movement or labor. But here is why we do that. In order to recover or collect one's strength. So powerful. So when we can make this paradigm shift in our mental state, that resting means to collect strength. To me, that changes, it changed everything for me. No longer was I just saying, oh, I need some rest. I actually now say, I need to go collect some strength. Because I want to live a meaningful, God-breathed life. And in order for me to have anything at all to give to anyone in my sphere of influence, I have to move through my life from a place of strength, collected strength. Now, I'm going to take a little breather here because I had a powerful client session today. And in that, we really dug into this concept of, of and practice of collecting strength. And what does that look like? That's going to look different for every single person. And, and it's not well taught and it's not construed well. And so we really took a breath today and we said, okay, so what does this mean? So if I'm going to move through my life from this deep place of rest, of this place of collecting strength in my soul, so that I'll have a capacity to move through my life with greater stability. For me now, that looks like a life that has created some boundaries, both mental and physical. It is a life that practices uh, 
the tension between tough and tender love, meaning sometimes I have to say, no, you can't speak to me that way. Uh, Sometimes I have to say, I would like for you to stop saying that to me. Uh, When I exercise my voice in that way and practice healthy assertiveness, I'm actually reserving energy. And that means I'm collecting strength because I'm not wasting my energy on things that are really not important. Very, um, it's just such a deep subject. It really is. So when we are collecting strength, for me, when I'm doing the laundry and and putting it away and the house gets more in order, I'm collecting strength because I'm not being drained by the chaos around me. I'm not being drained by the clutter that I see all over the place. I'm collecting strength when I go work out, even though it looks like I am sweating to death. I'm actually strengthening my body by collecting and giving my muscles what they need. Hmm. I collect strength when I make a, a beautiful dinner for my husband and I, and I set a pretty table and I light candles and we sit and we have a calm, beautiful time of eating mindfully. That's collecting strength. That's making my heart and my soul and my mind have a position of rest. Maybe like me, that isn't what you originally thought rest looked like. But the more I study it, the more I talk to others, the more I spend time helping people make their way from stress to rest, I find that that is really what it looks like on a day-to-day basis. It might look like, I don't know, stopping by a Starbucks, getting my favorite green matcha latte, and sitting outside in the sun for a few minutes and just being. So as promised, I wanted to extend and expand this conversation to some other great writers who have spoken a lot about rest. And Watchman Nee, a very powerful man of God, wrote in his classic Sit, Walk, Stand these words about rest. And I'm going to start from this point. The Christian life from start to finish is based upon the principle of utter dependence upon Jesus. There is no limit to the grace God is willing to bestow upon us. He will give us everything, but we can receive none of it except as we rest in him. Sitting is an attitude of rest. Something has been finished Work stops and we sit. It is paradoxical, but true, that we only advance in the Christian life as we learn, first of all, to sit down. Okay, stay with me here. (laughs) What does it really mean to sit down? Now, Watchman Nee is speaking of this as a spiritual position, 
a way in which we move through our life. And so he says, what does it really mean to sit down? When we walk or stand, we bear on our legs all the weight of our own body. But when we sit down, our entire weight rests upon the chair or couch on which we sit. We grow weary when we walk or stand, but we feel rested when we have sat down for a while. In walking or standing, we expend a great deal of energy, but when we are seated, we relax at once because the strain no longer falls upon our muscles and nerves, but upon something outside of ourselves. So also, here he's going to make, now listen, here he's making the spiritual um, comparison. In the spiritual realm, to sit down is simply to rest our whole weight, our load, ourselves, our future, everything upon the Lord. We let him bear the responsibility and cease to carry it ourselves. Oh boy, so, so rich. One of my favorite other great writers, Anne Morrow Lindbergh, in her Gift from the Sea, writes this. Women need solitude in order to find again the true essence of themselves. It is not physical solitude that separates one from the other. Not physical isolation, but spiritual isolation. When one is a stranger to oneself, then one is estranged from others too. If one is out of touch with oneself, then one cannot touch others. Only when one is connected to one's own core is one connected to others I am beginning to discover. And this connection can best be found through solitude. So there's that word again, connection, right? I used to think that this desire for solitude was selfish. In fact, many well-meaning women in my community of faith told me it was selfish. I used to book, and sometimes I still really do, a hotel room at a, at retreats when we would go away for retreats. I, I booked my own hotel room by myself. And I was very misunderstood for my need for solitude. I would hear, this is a time for community building. You should stay with someone who doesn't have anyone. It's not about you, Janelle. Now, looking back, I know better. There's a tension, yes. Sometimes it is about us, though. At the time, I was a homeschooling mom of very active children. Every day of my life was spent at maximum capacity. I needed rest. When I went away for a women's retreat for a weekend once a year, to me, I wanted to have a room all by myself with nobody waking me up in the middle of the night. I wanted to take a bath in lavender and light a candle and pamper myself. But yet I was really, well, what's the word here? Con- condemned for doing that or made, you know, feel guilty for doing that. And I remember it really making me feel terrible. 
But times of solitude are all about self-care and self-preservation. If I don't take care of me, myself, and I in a healthy way, I am no good to anyone. I know this can be so misconstrued and so misunderstood. But it is over and over again imaged for us when we get on an airplane, isn't it? What's the first thing once they close that cabin door that the the stewards, stewardesses, whatever they're called now, they pick up that oxygen mask or it's on the video and they tell you, put that oxygen mask on first. First, before you help your child, before you help anyone. My goodness. So important, so misconstrued. So let's just close out our our very important time together with rest. I hope you're not more confused than you were when we started. But I'll talk more about it uh, as the days go on. But I wanted to talk about what I write in Practice 5 and Collect Strength, the three-fold chord of resilience training. In the reauthor phase of heart care, the end of the practice, I talk about a, a, a word that a good friend of mine helped me coin, helped me put together. And it takes the word rest and the word resilience, and we combined it into restilience. I love this word. And we created this new definition. Restilience is a God-given endowment and enlargement of physical, emotional, and spiritual capacity to face personal, family, church, and work struggles from a sacred place of collected strength. I'm going to repeat it. Yep. Restilience is a God-given endowment and enlargement of physical, emotional, and spiritual capacity to face personal, family, church, and work struggles from a sacred place of collected strength. It involves a threefold cord, spiritual, mental, and physical practices. So here we go. Few simple suggestions that you can take away from today. Spiritual practices are simple daily practices where you collect strength. How do you do that? It might be by kneading bread. I remember when my children were were small and I was homeschooling and they were underfoot all the time. They also had uh, food sensitivities, very serious food sensitivities and a few allergies. So I had to have them on a very strict diet. But a good friend had mentioned this uh, incredible wheat called Montana wheat that even a celiac could eat, you know, and I thought, okay, so I had to order the be- the the wheat berries from Montana, and you know, this is back in the day, and I had to mill the wheat, and I uh, made a bread out of six ingredients, and I would make three or four loaves every two, three weeks, and that's what we ate, we ate and they had no reactions to it whatsoever, and I just remember with just such joy 
um, the mess of making those loaves, the kneading of the bread. And I just remember the smell and seeing them enjoy it. And it just gave me so much strength. That's another example. It could be knitting a beautiful scarf. I don't know what you do. Painting a painting. You might golf course. You know, my husband collects strength on the golf course most of the time. So when you do these simple daily practices where you collect strength, you are going to have a heart that becomes more and more at rest. And a heart at rest is a heart at its best. So spiritually, you're doing these simple practices that collect, help you collect the strength in your spirit. Mental practices, daily, minute-by-minute choices to transform emotion-driven behaviors. You're going to transform them and you're going to begin something called emotional regulation. Now, that's probably a whole nother uh, conversation, but emotions are God-given, yet we're not to be ruled by them. They are merely information. They inform us. They tell our body what we're feeling. And it's so important to be in tune to them. Here, when we are self-aware of our emotions, then we're not ruled by them. In the Christian faith, we, we call this practicing self-control. We pray for the fruit of the Spirit, especially self-control, to develop in our lives. Eventually, spiritual maturity will unfold in our life. And we will become more stable. Anger won't rule us. We will rule it. We will, by the help of God, be able to have self-control over our anger. In the physical realm, in that threefold chord, we have continued strategic intentional development of the nine practices that are in this book and particularly of um, the one we're talking about today, practice five. How then do you collect strength? I just want to leave you with that today. I hope this has been clear as mud, clearer than mud, I hope. But it's been a very honest conversation about how really difficult it is to to put into practice rest and collecting strength in a culture that is always encouraging us to do more, 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 more. And even a Christian culture that is always telling us to serve, 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 serve. Yes, we are called to serve. Yes, we are called to be active and use our gifts and talents, but they are to come from a deep place of rest. When our heart is at rest, when we are moving through life from a place of restilience, a place of collected strength, we are going to be highly effective and efficient And we're going to be more God-honoring, actually. And we are going to definitely live a more meaningful life. Okay, you may have lots of questions about today. So please send them to me. Please meet me over on Facebook, on my at Speak Healing Words. Meet me on Instagram, 
I'm going to be putting out some more information about this, and you can always visit JanelleReardon.com resources. And please, would you invite your friends to listen to the podcast, to subscribe to the podcast, and to give a review. Your reviews help us gain more influence, and that is what we are all about. We want more and more and more in a healthy way. Men, women, and families to hear the message of Speak Healing Words because in the end, that means an increase in emotional health and an increase in spiritual authenticity. Have a great day and may you have so much fun finding out how you collect strength. See you next time. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and conversation, please join the Speak Healing Words community at JanelleReardon.com.